Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Heavenly Father, you are our peace. Thank you as we meditate upon that. Thank you for bringing us together as a peaceful family, as a loving family. Thank you for the warm building, the clothes that we have, the, the food that we eat this morning, God. We ask that you wash gratitude over our heart. You bring us peace. We choose joy. Because we know that the King of Kings calls us his own. Let us be reverent of that. Let us be thankful. Heavenly Father, as you bring your word, um, please just Bless Cam, bless our ears. Um, maybe we be receptive to your word. Um, may you speak through Cam and just bring us the message that you want us to hear today. Thank you for impacting our lives. Thank you for caring enough to grow us, Lord. And may we be humble learners of the lesson you have for us this morning. We lift up everybody, Lord, that has shared prayer requests. Um, that have been in the bulletin or the newsletter or even in conversations, Father, but we know there are millions and millions and more that are that are unspoken, things that are laid upon our hearts and our minds, and we lift those up to you. We release those to you, God. Let us not carry baggage that's not ours. Father, thank you for today, and we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Coming to church is always an invitation. It's not an expectation. It's an invitation. It's it's good to be here. It's good to be worshiping together, celebrating Advent and preparing for Christmas and worshiping God together. Today we, we get to talk about faith. And uh, or I should say we're we're gonna be talking about a lot lots of things here this morning. We we're a lot of symbolism and images are gonna be coming up. Uh, over the next couple of minutes here, uh, but it's it's all here to uh, to help us grow in our in our faith. Uh, so let's get let's get started here. There's 14 mountains that, that rise above 8,000 meters. Uh, Mount Everest, of course, is the highest mountain in the world. Uh, Mount Everest, as it's called in, in English. Uh, Everest stands at 8,848 meters or 29,029 feet. But there's 14 mountains that rise above 8,000 meters. And there's this mountain climber from Nepal. His name's Nims Perja. If I pronounce that correctly. In 2019, uh, Nims climbed all 14 8,000ers. Okay. He accomplished this in a record time of six months and six days. And a documentary about this just came out. It's called 14 Peaks. And uh, I, I saw it recently. And let me just tell you, I was, I was pumped by it. It's a great documentary. Uh, it, it, it covers his his adventure of uh, this, the six month span of of climbing these these mountains, uh, and and mixed in there, he's doing like rescue missions too. People get stuck on the mountain, and you know he he's a man on a mission. He's trying to climb these mountains, and then it's like, oh yeah, like Bubba's still up on the the mountain somewhere, 
And he's exhausted, but he turns around and he goes up and, and, and you know, rescues them. And, and this documentary, it was, it was so inspirational. It was so inspirational. Like, I, he's a guy that, like, I would like to meet someday, hang out with, maybe do a workout with, I don't know, go hiking with. Just this climbing 14 mountains uh, and, and, and just doing it without failure. Like, he, he did it, him and his team. It's like, wow, he just had to have this enormous faith in himself to do this. Very inspirational. But today, we're not going to be talking about this mountain conqueror from Nepal. We're talking about an even greater inspirational figure. We're talking about Jesus from the West Bank. Jesus from Bethlehem. Jesus is our inspiration, the source of our Inspiration, the one who gives us breath, right? We're talking about Jesus today, born in Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem is five five miles south of, of Jerusalem. It's the birthplace of Jesus, and it's a very old town. Okay, a long time ago in Israel's history, of course, the name Israel comes from a man. He, he had another name called Jacob. Jacob, Israel, that's the same person in the Old Testament. Israel was was married to a woman named Rachel. Rachel was a shepherdess. She was a shepherdess. Uh, And and, again, she was married to to Israel. And uh, she died shortly after giving birth to her son, Benjamin. And Rachel is is buried in Bethlehem. Now, a little bit later in the the Old Testament storyline, there's this man named Elimelech. And he's married to a woman named Naomi. And Naomi has a daughter-in-law. They have a daughter-in-law named Ruth. Ruth eventually marries Boaz. Ruth and Boaz have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse lives in Bethlehem. He, he has his, his business there. He raises his family in Bethlehem. Jesse has eight sons. The youngest is is David. And David had the job of keeping watch over his father's flock. And in the storyline, we find out that God chooses David to be Israel's king, the monarch over over Israel. God chooses David. David is this important figure in the Judeo-Christian faiths. We, We often look to David as a hero. We know he's imperfect. We definitely know he had flaws and he made mistakes. But we look to David. We like his poetry. We like the way that he leads most of the time. We we like his warrior heart, his bravery, his leadership, all that stuff. He is the shepherd king of ancient Israel. And then something fantastic in the life of David, and it's also fantastic in the life of the whole story of the Bible, is is a prophecy found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where, you know, David has already been king for a while now, God's chosen king, but then God drops this beautiful promise. He says, hey, David, one of your descendants is going to be the Messiah. One of your descendants will have a forever kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. In other words, the Messiah the, the promised kingly anointed one, that will come from your family tree, David. And again, David, he's from Bethlehem. 
there's another Old Testament figure, uh, a prophet named Micah. We find him in the, the minor prophets section of our Old Testament. Micah had a prophecy about Bethlehem, and Deb read it for us just moments ago. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Micah 5, to, uh, 2 to 5. Uh, that's what we're taking a look at today. I'll have it up on the screen. Look at that. Beautiful. And if you were here last week, uh, no no auto advance scrolling slides. I think we, we worked that out of the system here. So Micah has this prophecy about Bethlehem. And there's eight items in this little passage that I want to highlight for us today. Okay. So we have to think, okay, this is a long time ago, many, many years, centuries before Jesus is born. Micah is talking about Jesus. He's talking about Bethlehem here. He, he talks about a promised ruler. And the first thing to highlight here is that the promised ruler will be a shepherd king. A king who shepherds. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. The shepherd king will stand tall. And what that means is he's not wimpy. The king will stand, but he will shepherd and he will feed and he will protect and provide in the strength of the Lord and the majestic identity of, of God. This is this promised ruler that, that Micah is, is talking about here. The second thing to highlight is that the promised shepherd king has origins from a long time ago. So perhaps Micah is pointing back in time to Genesis 3.15 when God makes this promise that snake crusher will come. But this promise, what, what Micah is getting at here is that this promise doesn't come out of nowhere. This is not a random promise, but it's, it's, it's from eternity past almost. Like the origins are from a long time ago, from ancient times. The third thing to highlight here in this passage is that the shepherd king will come from Bethlehem. I guess we could have started with that point. But I don't want you to underestimate this, this amazing reality that, that Micah is just throwing this dart hundreds of years before Jesus is born. And he, he finds this, this little town called Bethlehem. It was a little village. Certainly there's bigger towns, more, you know, more famous towns to think of. If you think about, okay, the, the savior of the world, where are they coming from? It's like they, they pick the small place. It's like Cold Point. And you're like, what? Like, what's, <laughs> or like, like some of these small little villages, Harmonville, and, and, you know, just like these little places on the map. Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus is born, throws this dart and it's Bethlehem. Bethlehem, a small little town. But one will be a ruler over Israel. The fourth thing uh, to, to, to highlight here is that this promised shepherd king will be God's servant. Micah says that this one, this, this king will come for me, like for, for God. Out of Bethlehem, the shepherd king is here for God's purposes. All right. God is up to something here. This is not random. And in theology, we call this the, the misio dei, the, the mission of God, that God is not absent, but God is actively involved in 
history. He is up to something. He has a plan. He has a purpose. God is a God of mission, and he is going to send Jesus, his son, for his redeeming purposes. Point number five here, highlight number five. The promised shepherd king will extend God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. Now, part of ancient Jewish theology was was God having dominion. Before David was king, before Saul was king, God is the true king of Israel. God has dominion. And God's chosen people are to show the world what it looks like when God runs things. And so naturally, this concept of God ruling all over the earth, since God's people are to be the reflection and conduit of of God's rule, when God rules over everything, naturally, the flock of God will be a part of that dominion that covers the whole earth. Israel was elected to have this responsibility, and they failed. And they failed, and they failed, and they failed. But the good news is, out of Bethlehem, Jesus will come, and he will not fail. The shepherd king will be the one who makes this possible. The shepherd king is the one who can do this. To extend the glory, the kingdom, all over the globe. Highlight number six here in this kingdom. The promised shepherd king will provide security, a a secure kingdom. And so the historical context here, we need to feel the flavors a little bit. Israel knows upheaval. They know slavery. They know turmoil. They know what fractures feel like. Okay, they are hungry for peace. As a flock, they are so ready for green pastures. They're tired of the wolves and the predators. They're tired of being pushed around. They are so ready for the pastures, security. And this shepherd king will provide this security, a place to live and abide, to remain, to be able to bear fruit. Sheep need good pasture, sustenance. Take us to the good grass. Highlight number seven. We have eight, eight all together. The promised ruler will bring peace. Shalom. This ideal state of complete peace. That just sounds wonderful. Finally, this promised shepherd king, this ruler, this promised ruler will come when she who is in labor will give peace. Birth. And absolutely, when we read this, we're like, hey, that's Mary. It also could be Bethlehem. But I want you to take a step back here. Micah's prophetic work is also wrapped up in this idea of predicting exile. And so after the womb of captivity, when the son is born, captivity ends. Jesus ends the exile and there will be a returning. Jesus is the shepherd king that Micah is talking about here. Jesus is the shepherd king born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the one who ends captivity so that we can come back to God the Father, so that we can have peace, so that we can live securely in his kingdom. 
So Jesus, he's from the line of David, born in Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? It's the house of bread. And it's very fitting that the word made flesh, the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, the bread of heaven, our eternal manna, was born in the village that is called the house of bread. And we have faith in this Jesus. He is our great shepherd king who arrived, who lived, who died, and he ascended. He is our sustenance. And let's just bounce over to the Lord's Supper real quick. It's so fitting that Jesus uses bread to symbolize his body. The bread was broken. Jesus was born in the village called House of Bread. He is our shepherd. He takes us to green pastures. He provides our sustenance. Can you ca- capture the, the, symbol, the, the themes here? The interconnections here and the symbolism. And yeah, people were, were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a military warrior to come in and finally just, you know, play some smash mouth with, with Rome. Smack them up. Take, take over. That's not Jesus, though. He comes and he brings a deeper need. As the, the story goes, the, the shepherd actually becomes the Passover lamb. And he stands in our place. And you know, the one of the gates in, in Jerusalem is called the Sheep Gate. The city has a couple different gates. There's different ones. The Benjamin Gate, the Fish Gate, the Dung Gate, the Sheep Gate. Okay, Sheep from Bethlehem would enter that gate on their way to the temple for sacrifice. All right? Passover lambs come from Bethlehem. And they pass through this gate on their way to give their lives. As we recall the, the Old Testament animal sacrificial system, blood represents life. They, they give their life. They are a sub- substitute. And this, they symbolically... Wash the people's sins away. But as we know, that sacrificial system, you know, it's it's not it's not infinite. Yet we have to we have to keep keep doing it, keep doing it. Jesus becomes the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. But there's another sheep gate reference that I want to point you to. John ten. John 10. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And and he talks about a shepherd. And he talks about a sheep pen. And sheep stealers. Okay. And Jesus says, okay, if you enter by the gate, you're the shepherd. If you hop the fence. Okay. If you try to sneak in a different way, you're not the shepherd. You're clearly a robber, an outlaw, a thief. And then Jesus says that the gatekeeper of the sheep pen is the shepherd. I want you to think about that. The gatekeeper of the sheep pen is the shepherd. But then he goes on to say, you know what? The, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The, the shepherd will, will call his sheep by name and he leads them. And they follow the shepherd 
because they know his voice. Now, modern day shepherding, I, I heard, is you know they, they shepherd the sheep from the back or the sides. You can imagine the sheep dogs. You know, we got to push these sheep and, and shepherd them. Okay, but in in Jesus's day, shepherding had a different style. Shepherds led from the front. You know what? It was way more relational. They, they actually knew their sheep by name. Hey, Spotty. Hey, Bent Ear. Curly. Mo. Right? Like, like they knew their sheep. And the shepherd would call them out by name, maybe even sing or whistle, but he would lead them from the front. If the sheep do not recognize the voice, they will scatter. Now next, it's very important to know about sheep pens. Okay? Sometimes they would use caves and then and then kind of build the you know build the door, or they would just you know build stack some stones and, and build a, a sheep pen there, the sheep fold. Alright. But this is what they would do. The gate, the sheep gate. The gate to the pen, shepherds would actually lay down and they themselves would become the gate. Right? And we kind of miss this in our in our modern age a little bit, but when Jesus says, I am the sheep gate, this is what he is referring to here. Jesus goes on to say, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And this is beautiful imagery here. The, the, the way of our shepherd king is that he, he lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the gate. Jesus from the line of David, born in Bethlehem, he is our substitute. He gives our life so that we can have life. And he gives us pasture. He gives us our eternal sustenance here. And yes, there are sheep stealers. There's false shepherds. There's false messiahs out there. There's also you know, many good, good people, too, to listen to. There, there's heroes and, and there's inspirational people and all of that. Right? There are many people to follow, many people to listen to. But our question today, as we look to our shepherd king, the one who lays down his, his life for us, the one who calls us by name, are we listening to Jesus? Can we hear the shepherd? Do we know his voice? Are we following him well? So today is about faith, and I think faith and listening go well together. Faith and following go well together. And having faith in the shepherd king, it's, it's not a passive faith. It's not saying yes to Jesus, getting into the sheep pen, and then you just wait there forever until you die or something like that. Like, like it's not a passive faith. It's not a blind faith either. We don't discard our, our brains but it's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. We, we have faith 
and the power that He gives us to, to get things done. We have faith in, in the love that He gives us to be compassionate towards others. It's a, it's a faith that is wrapped up in the sound mind that God gives us. And so we have to ask, are we actively following, actively trusting, actively resting in this good shepherd? That mountain climber, Nims. You got to see this documentary. You don't have to, but it was, it was so good. Inspirational. And I think it's so cool what he's doing in the mountaineering world. Uh, he just did another, another thing. He climbed K2, which is the second highest mountain in the world, and it's, it's way more deadlier than, than Everest. He climbed it in the wintertime, which has never happened before, and he did it without oxygen. He's still crushing it. But you know, it's Jesus, the shepherd king. The shepherd king of my heart my mind, my soul. He's my inspiration. He is the one who gives me breath. The one that I draw breath from. That word inspiration, inspire. He's the one I want to listen to and follow. And now just switching metaphors. We've been talking about bread and sheep and all of that. Let's use a metaphor of a mountain here. Here at the end. When we talk about faith, sometimes we, we get this idea that we got to climb this mountain of faith. We got to work hard at it. And I, I, I'm not discrediting, like, yes, spiritual disciplines are good. Yes, practice loving and, and, and grow in Jesus. You got to put on Jesus every day, grow in your, your prayer life, etc., etc. But sometimes we, we frame all of that up as if we got to climb this mountain. We got to get to God. The radical good news is this God came down to us. God came down for us. Christmas. The Shepherd King came down to us. And we need to start there when we talk about our faith, when we say yes to Jesus. Is that he came to us and he calls us by name without condemnation, without blame. He calls us by name. He loves us. And so the challenge is, is this. How can we live out this faith and walk in the way of the shepherd king? He is the lowborn, The one who goes low and lower still. Now it's our turn. How, how can we model this? How can we model what he modeled for us? So maybe this Advent season, part of what we need to do, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your every single moment of your day life looks like, but maybe something that we need to do is get out of the way, lay our life down for our brothers and sisters and, and, and model what this faith actually looks like. Where we model Jesus, the one who laid down his life. Let's model Jesus and give all glory to God.
to the one who went low for us. And now let's lift him up. Glory to God in the highest, to the shepherd king who came for us. Let's close in prayer.